0: welcome everyone Uh, we are currently in the book of luke if you've missed some of the previous teachings you can watch or listen to those uh, either on the church website or you can check out youtube or find us on spotify and through there you can watch or listen and get caught up Uh, today's passage we're going to be in luke chapter 1 verse 57 through chapter 2 verse 21. Uh, so a couple things uh, from the past couple weeks i'd like to just remind us of Um, luke um, is The Book of Luke is considered a a historic narrative which uh, we'd like to just remind you that it simply means um, that the events that took place in this uh, book are real, they're historic, they're factual. Um, And it's important for us to remember that um, as we read through some of these spectacular stories and to be reminded um, that these things actually took place. Oftentimes when I talk to my kids, um, I try to help them understand the difference between a a true story, a real story, and a story that is not real. Um, And and that uh, I think is important for us to, to be reminded of as we continue through this book of Luke. There's two main things. Uh, I believe Jared mentioned these uh, last week, um, and, and I'd like to highlight them and uh, remind us of them because I think they are true for this passage, for this, uh, this section of Scripture. Um, but as well, I, I believe we'll be able to see this theme throughout uh, the book uh, of Luke. Um, the first thing is going to be that God does what he says. God does what he says. Um, and, and the other thing is that Jesus came to be a savior to all people. Jesus came to be a savior to all people. Um, and so just a little review of last week, and then we'll dive into the the passage for uh, today. Uh, last week, Jared uh, did a great job of uh, comparing Zechariah with Mary. Um uh, very different circumstances, but yet uh, impossible um, outcomes. Uh, And Zechariah, he was married to Elizabeth, um, and a few things scripture tells us about them, that they were uh, righteous before God, they were advanced in age, uh, and they were also barren with no children. And there were some hardships associated with that that Jared covered. Uh, Zechariah is a priest, Uh, Probably from the tribe of Levi, uh, who was selected uh, on this particular day to fulfill a significant duty, which uh, was to burn incense in the temple of the Lord, which um, was the room. Uh, right next to uh, the Holy of Holies, where uh, God's presence was. So there's was, there was this curtain, this thick veil that separated them. And so as he was doing his priestly duty, an angel, Gabriel, appeared to him um, and said, Behold, uh, I've heard, God has heard your prayers, and he's going to answer them. He's going to provide you with a son, and you will call him John. Now, uh, you would think that Zechariah, being uh, a priest and being deemed righteous, uh, would have responded properly, but unfortunately uh, he didn't and because of which uh, the angel of the Lord said that he was going to remain silent and unable to speak until these things come to fruition uh, And that's exactly what happened and we'll talk about that a little bit later um, Yeah, and so with Mary um We'll, we'll compare the two. So Mary and and Joseph. Mary and Joseph were betrothed. They were engaged, um, uh, not married, and uh, but Mary was one uh, who found favor with God. Uh, she was a young woman and she was also a virgin. Uh, different circumstances, but still uh, in need of supernatural intervention to make these uh, make what the angel um, tells her a reality. Um, Mary was a person uh, of common and humble status um and when when the angel gabriel approached her and told her that she was going to um, conceive through the holy spirit and bear her son um, the difference in her response was that she responded out of faith and trusted in god um, that he was going to make this thing happen um so that brings us to uh, today's text uh, where we see that Elizabeth now, um, this is like whatever, nine plus months later, um, she, she conceives and, and now she, it's time for the birth. Um, and um, we, the scripture says in verse 57 that um, she gives birth to a son. So if you read it slowly, you'll see that that things take place step by step, uh, and we see how um, everything that the angel said um, is coming to pass. God is making all this happen. And so a baby boy is born, and then on the eighth day, it says they uh, came to circumcise um, the baby baby boy and at that time were to give him uh, the name so uh, circumcision if you don't know I, I'm not gonna get into too much of it but circumcision is is just a, a small procedure that was done to males um, which involves removing some of the skin um, some of the history behind this um, goes as far back as Genesis uh, you can read some about it in Genesis chapter uh, 17 uh, 9 through 14 um, but basically it, it was a sign of a covenant between the people of God, and God himself. And they were to perform this uh, th- this procedure on all the males, and uh, if there was a newborn, it was to be done on the eighth day, if, and if it was someone that, that, that came into, um, um, into the nation of Israel, they, they were to have this procedure done uh, at any age. Um, and again, it was to be a sign, a covenant, Um, this physical demonstration that the nation of Israel is keeping their covenant keeping their promise with God and God is going to keep their promise with them it was so significant that if they didn't uh, if they didn't um, uh, become circumcised at any male that they would be cut off from God's people and uh, the opposite would be that they are breaking the covenant of God which is significant So during this uh, circumcision party, if you want to call it, um, there's probably uh, neighbors, involved neighbors and family, uh, and they would have been involved um, in part of the process of um, helping to identify or make suggestions uh, of what the name of the baby would be. Um, And so when they assumed that the name of the uh, baby boy was going to be um, Maybe Zachariah jr. Or whatever it might be since it's his father. It was very common to name uh, Your your son um, after someone in your family. Um and Elizabeth said no um, That his name was to be John. Uh, this would have been a shock to everyone um, which is why they uh, took a moment to uh, talk to Z- Zechariah and ask him. Um, I'll get to that in a second. But one thing I'd like to point out about Elizabeth is it's very important, and I think we should make sure not to miss this. Um, with all the customs and um, pressure that could have been associated with naming this child, um, with family and friends and whoever else was there. Remember, this is eight days after giving birth. Um, it could have been um, probably really easy for Elizabeth to to have gone with what was culturally acceptable or what was normal, but she didn't. And that's the important distinction. Um, she didn't allow tradition or pressure from family or friends to hinder her from following what God had directed through his angel Gabriel. And so she was very bold and said, no, his name is going to be John. So now they... Um, whoever they is, family and friends, uh, they, they wanted to double check, so they go to Zechariah and, and they made signs to him. Um. Why? Well, maybe that was an indication that not only did the angel silence him uh, and remove his ability to speak, but could have also removed his ability to hear. So maybe they had to make signs gesturing to him. Um, and he, and he uh, ended up getting a tablet, uh, probably uh, um, some sort of wooden tablet that had wax on it. Um, and with it, he could have written his response and he said, his name is John. Um, In that tablet, kind of like a dry erase board um, where where you write on it, erase it, and write on it again. So they had something like that, probably of wax. Um, And so um, at that time when when he confirmed that the name was going to be John, that's when all the things that the angel had said uh, came to fruition. And at that time, uh, the promise came true that uh, he was then able to speak. In his response at that time, he began saying blessings to God. Um, And that's where I'd like to just remind us that God does what he says, even if he uh, speaks through an angel and and tells us that he's going to do something. He does what he says. Um, And something that's surprising about this um, is... Uh, verse 66, and all who heard uh, heard about the things that were happening, laid up uh, laid them up in their hearts, saying, "What then will this child be?" For the hand of the Lord was with them, and that's something I'd like to come back to a couple times uh, for the rest of our time here. Is what will this child be? I love this question, and it sets the nation up for Israel because they heard about the miraculous things that were happening here, um, and they had known about this uh, some. the thing that happened you know nine months or so prior where where zechariah was doing his priestly duties and all of a sudden um his ability to speak was removed Uh, maybe he wasn't able to hear either Um, and and i feel like it was putting the nation of israel um, on notice notifying them hey something special is happening here so much so that they said what then will this child be Um, and i think it's so much more important because not only is it setting up the nation of israel to to pay attention to this child but how much more the one to come, the one that's to be born um, from Mary, um, that, that was conceived from virgin birth. How much more will this uh, future child be that, that uh, we know a little bit about? Um, I, I'd like to just uh, take a moment to remind us uh, of what some of the um, items that were prophesied uh, between John and Jesus. Um, so John, uh, according to the angel we see in Luke um one sixteen, uh, it is said from the angel that uh, John he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Verse seventeen, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Jared talked about that last mm-hmm. week, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So Zechariah, um, and Zechariah says um, in in his. Um, prophecy when right after his uh, tongue was uh, loose and he was able to speak again. And verse 76, and he says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to the people in the forgiveness of their sins. Um, I I think that verse 76 is in reference to Malachi 4.5, which Jared also talked about. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet, um, before the great and awesome day of Yahweh comes. And verse 77, a reference to uh, probably Isaiah 40, verse 3, which states, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way for Yahweh. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So we can see that um, there's, there's, there's more of these. There's more uh, prophecies of, of um, this one John who is to come to prepare the way um, for the Lord. Um, and uh, and so this is some of the stuff that's been set up about um, who John will be and what he will do. And the question is, what will this child be? What is he going to do? That's, that's how um, this book is set up. We're, we're being asked these questions, and we should think about these questions um, as it's being um, uh, revealed to us. So we see that this is what we are called... Uh, sorry, kids are crying in the background... Um, I'm going to pause it for a second and I come back. All right, I'm back. I'm sorry about that. Um, I, I kind of forgot a little bit of where I left off, but the point is that um, the prophecies uh, of the Old Testament um that talk about John and who he is and what he's going to do leaves the reader to think and and wonder what will this child be? Um, And is he going to to do the things that have been prophesied um, in the Old Testament? Is God going to do what he says he's going to do um, through this? And is this uh, person of John what is been prophesied of in the old testament and if this is true for for john how much more so for jesus it is a very bold claim um, for the angel of the of the angel that appeared to um we'll talk about this a little bit later um to the shepherds to say that the um savior um, has arrived it's very bold claim and it's uh, a word that was very um charged um, so if Jesus is this one um, who is to save, man, that is uh, mind-blowing. And um, the nation of Israel has been looking forward to this um, for thousands of years. So um, that was a little bit about John. Let me talk about um, what was expected of Jesus a little bit. So according to uh, the angel in Luke chapter 1, verse 31 and through 33, and it says, um, And you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called... The Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give, excuse me, to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And according to Zechariah, um, he talks about in verse 69 that uh, this one to come is going to be a horn of salvation. Um, And what is this horn of salvation? It's in reference um, to. Um, what was just known in the nation of Israel that um, a horn of an ox uh, was uh, an idea, an imagery of uh, strength, of um, of power. It also has um, a type of um, warlike imagery coming to it. You can see Deuteronomy 33, 17 for a little bit more um, insight there. But... Um, what's the point? The point is that um, the horn of salvation, the one to come that is going to be about salvation, is going to come in strength. And there's also going to be this idea of battle, this warlike imagery of the one to come. And Zechariah even says, um, I forget what verse it is, um, but it says that uh, we should be saved from our enemies, and that the hand of all who hate us, the the savior is going to free them from their enemies. And no doubt Zechariah probably had the Romans in mind, um, and viewed them as enemies, but it's much more than that. Um, the nation of Israel probably expected a, a military, a political uh, um, powerhouse to come in, in the form of a savior, um, but when Jesus arrives on scene, um, it is it, it's completely different than what they expected. Jesus does come to do battle, but not in the way that they expect, and in fact, um, that's when we see Um, in verse 78 in chapter 1 that it says i'll read it because of the tender mercy of our god whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high in reference to jesus as the sunrise to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace, the battle that Jesus comes to fight is a spiritual one, uh, as the imagery shows us. Um, he is the sunrise. When the sun rises, what does it do? It brings light. Um, Jesus is bringing light um, in a place of darkness where there was no savior, um, and that is the the um, battle, um, that this warlike imagery that the horn of salvation can bring, and we very much. Um, The nation of Israel very much looked forward um, to the Savior Even though um, they were not exactly sure What it was going to look like once the Savior was there So um, I'd like to just spend um, the last couple minutes um, Here uh, talking about the birth of Jesus Um, And we're all probably familiar with the birth story of Jesus, so I'd like to just point out a couple items. The first thing is that Jesus was obviously not born in such a royal place. He was born in a lowly and humble setting to us known as a manger. Um, I I was watching this princess movie um, with the kids. Um, and it was really fascinating that they had this huge castle and then like a, a view of the city and, and the common people and all the smaller houses around it. And there was um, a big distinction between those who were uh, of the castle, those are in royalty, and kind of everybody else. Um, and, and when uh, the princess was born um, in the movie, it was very much a private matter. It was only for the family and not for the commoners. Um, but it, it is not so with our story uh, of King Jesus. He is the King of Kings and he is uh, not born into this uh, castle as we, you would expect, but rather he was born into this humble manger uh, where there was likely animals around. Um, very different uh, type of um, a situation um, that um, breaks expectations. Jesus was probably expected the Savior to, to show up um, and be born in, in a um, royal place, um, but instead he breaks down these barriers um, and, uh, and allows um, access to um, Jesus, um, not only to the, the, those who are in high places, but those who are commoners in the low places as well. Um what's also interesting is uh, nearby um there were shepherds when Jesus was born um and they were greeted by an angel of the Lord um and the he tells the shepherds hey i have good news to tell you today a savior is born which i referenced earlier um and this is a, a very loaded word and they were very excited about it and as um, the angels were telling them the good news to the shepherds. Um, a multitude of hosts came out praising God um, and maybe singing a song or two. I don't know. Um, but it, it was very unique and special and demonstrating that this wasn't a private affair. This was something that was open um, to more than just the family. It was something that was um, be, that was even made known to those um, commoners as shepherds, um, and so accessibility to to Jesus was open for everyone. Which um, I, I think will continue the theme um, that Jesus came uh, to save all people. So um, I, I'll end this time um, by saying, um, leaving us with a question: um, What then will this child be? And that's where I think it leaves us. Um, what then will this child of John be? What then will this child Jesus be? We know what the prophecy says. Now let's see how the story unfolds. um, And um, we learn more and more about um, John, but more importantly, who the Savior will be.